Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. But before we begin, I do want to remind you that there is a website associated with this podcast called wealthformula.com. Uh, that's where you can go to get a number of resources and also to potentially join our investor club. If you are an accredited investor and are interested in potentially taking advantage of what I think was going to be potentially blood in the street pretty soon, then join our investor club. This is, of course, limited accredited investors are those who either make $200,000 per year, $300,000 if filing jointly, or have a net worth of $1 million outside of their personal residence. So that's what an accredited investor is. You don't have to apply for anything. You just either are or you aren't. And if you meet these criteria and you want to be part of our investor club, go to wealthformula.com, sign up, get onboarded, and let the games begin. Now, speaking of investing, um, it has been a rough year, a tough year for real estate investors. Inflation, interest rates have created distress and uncertainty, but let me remind you of a few things. First of all, investing isn't for the faint-hearted. Everyone loses at some point, and that is something that I think sometimes we forget. The, you know, the idea that you can always win, it's a fallacy. And of course, everyone would agree with that statement rationally. However, our brains are not wired to think rationally in stressful times. It's a, it's a tall order. You see, there's a concept in psychology called loss aversion, that means we are wired to fear loss more than we desire gain. So if you have an investment go bad in a distressed market, you might let the fear of future losses prevent you from investing in an asset that might create more significant gains down the road. In other words, when the market's down and you should be investing, your typical psychology is not to invest because you're afraid because you might have already had some losses and you don't want any more. The problem with that is, of course, that's the best time to buy. Now, the Chinese word for crisis is the same word for opportunity. And that's a very useful uh, way to think about it. Because when there is blood in the streets, you want to activate your instincts as a predator more than that of the hunted. You know, that's something the world's greatest investors will tell you. And by the way, those investors, those world's greatest investors, they've all lost money at some point in their life. So... It's okay if you do too. Now, go back to basics though. Think about why you're doing this. Why do you invest your money rather than leave it in the bank in the first place? I invest my money because leaving it in the bank is a way to guarantee loss of purchasing power. Think about it. Last year, 
Inflation soared over double digits. And would you have even gotten 1% return on the money in the bank? Well, no. So the money in the bank guarantees a loss of real buying power. And in last year, it would have guaranteed a double-digit loss. Uh, and, and that's a guaranteed loss, right? That's the point. Now, why do you invest in real estate or other alternative assets instead of only a portfolio of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds? Well, I invest in alternatives because they can result in extraordinary returns. I have experienced that over and over again. And taking some losses now, honestly, is not going to change my view of investing in the future. I really do stand by this notion, and I will say it again. No one ever gets rich with a portfolio of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. You're already rich, and maybe you put money in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, and at some point, maybe they preserve your wealth, and maybe you got some modest growth, but you're never going to make that money change your fundamental socioeconomic status, right? So with alternatives, um, I've seen that personally. And I'm willing to take a little bit more risk for that larger reward. And frankly, so far, it has paid dividends for me, at least now. The point of all of this is to say that decision making in personal finance is like anything else, right? The hardest part of it is to stay rational and not let fear or other emotions cloud your thoughts. My guest on this week's episode of Wealth Formula Podcast knows all about making decisions under distress. He's a fighter pilot who has uh, had to think clearly to avoid death. Um, He'll tell you that story himself. And well, it's the same type of thinking you're going to need to do if you're going to make money as an investor in this unpredictable world and in this distressed market. Anyway, we are going to, when we come back, I want you to, um, anyway, when we come back, you're going to hear from that fighter pilot and hopefully it helps you to get some clarity on your own thinking. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession-resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast is Hazard Lee. He's a fighter pilot, author, and speaker, and the author of The Art of Clear Thinking, uh, Stealth Fighters, Pilots, Timeless Rules for Making Tough Decisions. Hazard, welcome to the program. Buck, thanks for having me on. So you you have a pretty distinguished background. I mean, I think from my understanding, you're kind of like, you know, when you talk about Top Gun and everybody's seen the, you know, 
Top Gun movies and all that, you were sort of the top gun of the top guns, right? You were kind of like the Tom Cruise character. Is that, is that right? I wouldn't say that. So yeah. I'm a, you know, I'd say an average fighter pilot got a chance to fly some awesome jets, the F-16, F-35. Plus, you know, we're Air Force, so we tend to uh, to rag on the Navy quite a bit. Oh, okay, got it. So you don't want to be associated with the Navy types. No, and especially since my brother's an F-18 pilot. So uh, <laughs> we go back and forth quite a bit. Got it, got it. Um, so what, you know, what do you think in terms of your, I guess the question is, you know, what was that like? And how do you, how did you kind of come, how did you, how did you frame that when you ultimately ended up writing this book? I mean, you, you must've realized at some point that you were doing things systematically, Mm -hmm. uh, and that you could actually package it up and if for people to potentially use for other decision-making processes. Yeah, that's, that's right. So as a fighter pilot, really, if you boil down my job, you know, go past Top Gun, it's it's to just make decisions. So when we fly, we're making thousands of decisions each flight, often with incomplete information and lives on the line. So you really need somebody who's a great decision maker in the cockpit. And the reason is because that we are leveraging technology. So I'm sitting in this, this tub of technology that allows me to do a thousand times more than I could do on my own. So I can fly a hundred times faster than I could run. I can carry far more. I can see out to the horizon. So it's, uh, it's highly leveraged. Each decision you're making can impact the battlefield quite a bit. And just a, a four ship four F 35s today. I mean, each jet's about a hundred million dollars. The helmets we wear are about $400,000 a piece, true augmented reality. So it's putting circles and diamonds over all the uh, the good and bad guys out there. So you can do a lot from the cockpit. But the way I frame the book is that we're all like that right now. So the phone you have in your pocket, it can do the job of dozens of people from just a few years ago. Same thing with your computer, with your phone. So all the decisions that we're making are highly leveraged now. And uh, a way to look at that is through our energy consumption. The average human only burns about 90 watts of electricity, and yet our consumption is 12,000 watts. That's powering the technology that's leveraging the decisions we're making. And with AI on the rise, it's only getting better or worse, depending on how you look at it. And, uh, and right now, there are reports out of Silicon Valley that the next billion-dollar company will be run by three or fewer people because of AI. So a billion-dollar company from a hundred years ago, that would have taken hundreds of thousands of people from a few decades ago, just a few thousand people. And now three people will be in charge of a billion dollars. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's a lot of leverage to each one of those decision makers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, some of your, the points that you make in your book. So you talk about clear thinking and how clear thinking may be more valuable than raw intelligence. Do you want to make the if you want to talk a little bit about that, make that distinction. Yeah, I think, I think we all kind of know that from a intuitive level that more information does not necessarily mean that you're able to understand the world better. So I think the reason we learn these mental models is to be able to predict the future. So you're, no matter what you're trying to do, you're trying to predict the future, especially in, in your line of work with uh, investing, you're trying to see, you know, what's going to maximize uh, your dollar. And so I think uh, just because you have more information doesn't mean you're necessarily thinking clearer. And that's a big problem today. There's there's uh, far more information now out there with the Internet, with social media than there has been in the past. And we're all inundated with with far more than we can absorb. And that's something we experience as fighter pilots. 
we have a lot of information coming in at us and we have to uh, to narrow down our field of view through what's known as a cross check, focusing on the few variables out there that make a, a larger return on investment than uh, than what they might first appear. What is the ACE Helix and how can regular people apply that ACE Helix to their uh, decision making? So ACE Helix is the way, it's a framework that we use for making decisions. So growing up, I, I think I'm like a lot of people, didn't learn any kind of theory on decision making. It's not taught in most schools. And the Air Force has done a pretty incredible job. They'll take somebody who's never flown before, and within just a couple of years, they'll be flying combat missions on the other side of the world. And I think a large part of that is due to this decision-making framework called the ACE Helix. So assess, choose, and execute. So first, you need to assess the problem in front of you. If you're not able to consistently do that, you won't be able to, uh, to consistently make good decisions. After that, you have to choose the correct course of action. And then lastly, you have to be able to execute on that decision. So it sounds simple. It, it is, but it, it can be difficult to, to actually do consistently. Well, I think one of the problems, and, I, and particularly I'm guessing, uh, you know, in a combat type situation is, uh, you know, that's where the clear thin thinking part comes back. You know, and uh, as you as I mentioned before, I'm, you know, I'm a former surgeon and the first thing that you do when you assess somebody who's you know, down on the ground is airway, breathing, circulation, right? But sometimes it's not, it's not easy to remember those, <laughs> those simple things when, you know, it seems like somebody's about to die, right? So I guess it's a similar idea is trying to assess in real time, like when you feel, particularly because of stress. And I think that, you know, that's kind of where I'm going with this is that we are, in the investor side, we're kind of living in a volatile space. You know, we, we've got rising interest rates, uh, asset values have come down a bit, inflation, all that kind of stuff. So how do you look at it? I mean, if you if you looked at it from this uh, perspective of an investor, how would you apply this AC licks broadly? Yeah, so I think that's interesting. And, and the Air Force has done quite a few studies on stress. And what they found... Originally, it was because they were finding that good pilots during World War II were dying from dumb mistakes in the heat of combat. And so they've done a lot of studies since, and they've really shown that as stress increases, initially it can be a good thing, but once it gets too stressful, your IQ decreases. And so we have a saying as fighter pilots that as soon as you put on your helmet, you lose 20 IQ points. And that's just because what looks simple on the ground at 1G, um, at zero knots, gets gets pretty difficult when you're flying you're under 2000 pounds of force it's hot in the cockpit you're flying at closure speeds a mile every three seconds so uh yeah so your your brain function your cognitive ability to make decisions decreases once you get outside of that zone of performance so we do a lot as fighter pilots to try and maintain that zone and the number one thing you can do is preparation so there's a lot of little tricks and tips that that we use but the number one thing is being prepared you don't rise to the level of your expectation you fall to the level of your preparation and so we go out and we design our training scenarios to be even more difficult than, than combat and we will spend a lot of time trying to get as good as we possibly can be and then we'll spend a lot of time debriefing when we go and fly we'll spend about an hour, hour and a half flying, and we will spend two to six hours debriefing that sortie, going through everything that went wrong and how we can be better. So I think the number one thing is being prepared. Outside of that, 
we, we do breathing exercises. So we have a uh, box breathing five seconds in five seconds out or hold five seconds, five seconds out, hold five seconds. And that can be pretty effective for, uh, activating your parasympathetic nervous system, decreasing your heart rate, because what we found is new students, when they go to the tanker, so tankers, uh, airborne, uh, aircraft that we refuel from fully manual maneuver, you're taught your whole career never to, uh, hit another aircraft. And now you're intentionally touching another aircraft while it's transferring you fuel at 350 miles an hour. We found their heart rates were getting to about 170 beats per minute. They're just sitting in a seat. And so at that heart rate, you don't have that fine motor, uh, acuity that you need. So they're you know, as we say, squeezing the, uh, the paint out of the stick. So we, we, you know, we do these breathing exercises to try and slow their heart rate down so they can have that fine motor skill. But we also found that it's a, a big factor when it comes to making decisions. So just like it affects your, uh, your hand-eye coordination, it also affects your ability to make good decisions. How is success more attainable when you plan for multiple outcomes? I think you have to be prepared for multiple outcomes. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world. Very few decisions will you have a hundred percent certainty in the outcome of it. So I think you need to plan for contingency scenarios. When things go wrong, you need to be ready uh, to be able to act on that. You talk a little bit about power laws. Um, how is that relevant here to decision-making? So that is a factor with the assess phase of the decision-making, uh, uh, framework. So being able to find those few key variables. So three power laws encompass just about everything you're going to see out there. One is, uh, exponential, uh, growth. So I'm sure you're familiar with that from the financial world, compound interest. Uh, next is the law of diminishing return. We're all familiar with that from going to the gym First six months. You're going to see a lot of gains after that. If you keep the workout the same, you're going to, uh, see somewhat of a plateau that can explain everything from why you only need a little bit of uh, detergent when you're washing your clothes to why supercars are so expensive. And then lastly, long tail power laws. That's why a few shows on Netflix do really well and the rest uh, don't do so great. So those power laws are really what you want to focus in on. And it can be challenging because as humans, we've really evolved to think linearly. You walk 30 steps, you're now 30 steps away. But really, when you are amplifying decisions with technology, for instance, in my world speed, you know, we sometimes have to, fortunately, I've never had to, we have ejection seats where uh, a rocket is in your seat. It'll uh, send you out of the aircraft if uh, the aircraft's going to crash. So the number one thing to do, even though there are dozens of steps in the checklist is just to slow down. That's because force is exponential uh, on your body as speed increases. So there are a lot of little variables out there that you can look at and identify those power laws. And those are the things you need to factor in when you're making a decision. How about fast forecasting? Talk a little bit about what that is and how you would apply that in, you know, in, in what, in both a, in a plane and, and in everyday life. Yeah. So fast forecasting is essentially just coming up with the answer to the equation. When you're making a decision, you just want to find the expected value. So what is the good that's going to happen from it? What's the chance of that happening minus the risk? What's the bad? What's the chance of that happening? Now, it can be difficult for people to put in exact numbers. What's the probability of something happening? But the, the real answer is that it's difficult for everything out there. Computer programs, we, we have some very elaborate computer programs in the military, and we've made the mistake in the past of 
overly trusting those because if you just have one variable that's uh, that you don't quite understand, uh, we call it the basis sand uh, problem. So we have these elaborate computer models built on these uh, these you know unstable bases, and it can spit out the wrong answer. So really, one of the themes of the book is for an expert to trust their intuition. I think uh, as a society, we've really gone the route of putting too much trust in computer models, in consultants, in committees, and not really holding ourselves accountable for finding the, you know, the answer to that equation. What's the what's the expected value of the decision that you're going to make? And so I think uh, every every leader out there needs to uh, to be able to find the expected value of a decision before they start consulting those outside resources. And that'll do one of two things that will uh, either uh, double check those resources to make sure they're correct. Or if you're wrong, it'll show you the flaw in your thinking and you'll be able to improve over time. When you, when you, uh, when you talk a little bit about this, uh, about fear in particular, I guess I want to come back to that. Um, how can people train themselves to overcome fear? You talked a little bit about breathing exercise, but I, I feel like there's a sort of a multiple, there's different kinds of fear as well, right? I mean, there's fear you're going to be shot down in a moment, um, the kind of stuff that, you know, you would feel potentially in combat. That's a different kind of fear, or maybe it's not, but it it's sort of a, a, an acute version of an investor worried about his or her portfolio and a decision-making process. How do you how do you overcome how do you train yourself to overcome that fear if you're you know just a, a person on a daily basis trying to make those decisions? Yeah, I think it's I think it's the same fear. So that's actually one of the things that you get pretty good at as a, as a fighter pilot when you go into combat. After you come back, everything seems kind of easy when you're not getting shot at or you don't have the risk of having to eject over enemy territory it gets a lot easier to to make decisions because most most decisions in society aren't aren't that difficult you're not going to get eaten mm-hmm. by a lion out here when it comes to being able to manage your fear i think being able to have a good mindset being able to stay in the present moment positive self talk i think that's been a big push for the air force in the last 5 to 10 years is being able to to focus on that human performance aspect uh being able to manage your fear being prepared as we talked about before is, is the single best thing you can do. But outside of that, I would say being able to, uh, being able to have positive self-talk, not having to berate yourself. That's kind of my job as an instructor. I get a chance to teach some of the best pilots in the world, how to fly the F 35 and they're tremendous at what they do. Uh, they're great from a stick and rudder perspective, but oftentimes you'll see that they'll make a mistake and it'll snowball out of control. So they'll make one mistake. They'll be thinking about how they failed the ride, how they might fail out of pilot training. And that'll lead to a second mistake because now their mental bandwidth is tied up in that, uh, you know, those, those thoughts about, uh, fear. And, you know, if you made a mistake, you actually need more bandwidth to be able to, to get yourself out of that. So because we are flying so fast a mile, every three seconds, it just takes, uh, you know, a few bad mistakes to get yourself into a position that, uh, can, uh, can be dangerous. So that's part of my job is to be able to mentor some of these pilots to, to get them up to a position where they can be mentally resilient. So um, I think you've also mentioned that stress can become calming in a way. Is that right? So how does that happen? Uh, so I think stress, 
first of all, it keeps you from being complacent. So you need a little bit of stress sure. out there. So if you're doing something that's, that's boring, that's not exciting you, you're not getting butterflies in your stomach, then, uh, you know, I, I think you're not using your emotion to, to kind of push yourself in terms of being calming. I would say I've had a few incidences where I, I've come pretty close to dying and every one of those times, and this isn't like a macho thing. Every one of those times there was no fear. It was detached curiosity because I was trained in what I needed to do. And all those background thoughts went away. It's like meditation times a thousand. You're just focusing on the few things you need to do to survive. And, uh, you know, looking back, it's actually pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. I don't want to put myself back into that position, but, uh, you know, it's, it's something pretty special when yeah. all those background thoughts go away and you're just focused on, on, on a few things. And so one, one, one of the times I, I talk about in the book is when I put an F 35 out of control, uh, I was, I was dog fighting when I was a young fighter pilot and, uh, ended up, uh, running out of airspeed, going into the vertical straight up and, uh, started going backwards in the F 16, something it wasn't designed to do and, uh, went out of control. Fortunately, I was able to recover it a few thousand feet above the ground, but yeah, it's one of those things where everything just clears out of your brain. You're just focused on how to survive. Detached curiosity is the best way to describe it. And then the fear comes maybe a couple hours later when you're finally, you know, alone by yourself. Was that in real combat or was that in, in, in like training? This was just training. So this was, you know, I was a new F-16 pilot and this yeah. is, you know, one of those experiences that, you know, decision-making it's like the gears and mechanical watch, a small, seemingly sure. unimportant gear can really have a big impact on how that clock tells time. And so I was just a few miles an hour too slow, five miles an hour too slow to go into the vertical and do this loop. But it had a big, uh, big uh, out, uh, impact on the outcome. I think one of the problems that uh, investors have is being able to sort of, um, leave behind a previous bad decision or a previous situation and make the next decision clearly, right? I would imagine that, that, that relates to what you were talking about with snowballing. Yeah. Stay in the present moment. You don't want to use up mental bandwidth, uh, unnecessarily. And the best tool I know to do that is the debrief. So when you make a mistake in the moment, what I tell myself is I'll worry about that in the debrief because we have a dedicated set aside time to, to focus on that. So I think that's one of the biggest uh, issues that I see in, in organizations that, that don't do a lot of debriefing is they try to do it real time. And again, you're using up that bandwidth that you have uh, to make decisions on debriefing yourself, which should come at a, a separate scheduled time afterwards. You um, So tell me about the consulting work that you do now. So I do, I do quite a bit. So I worked with, uh, different airlines during COVID to help with their, uh, mental toughness program. So one in particular, they were having a lot of issues with their pilots, um, during COVID, you know, it was a difficult time. And so they wanted to work through this kind of, it seems more new age, how to, how to stay mentally tough and mentally resilient, but it's something that we've really, uh, you know, focused on and made a, a hard syllabus on and shown the science behind during the last few years of air force pilot training. So I, I do some things like that also with decision-making. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's, it's good to be able to get the word out there. looks like you also are kind of a prolific content creator. <laughs> One of the most viewed military aviation channels on YouTube, a uh, hundred million views. Tell us about that. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's fun to, to make content out there. So fortunately, it resonates with people. We get about uh, 10 to 15 million views a month. And so what I, I really like to do is I like to entertain and educate people. Sure. And there's a lot of interesting th- stuff with the military aviation world and people are really interested in it. Just like look, look at Top Gun. But uh, I like to put a credible viewpoint behind that and having a career as a fighter pilot uh, helps me to do that. What's that YouTube channel for anybody who wants to check it out? It's just under my name. So hazard with an S H A S A R D. You can just type that into YouTube or any of the social media platforms and you can see some interesting things. Interesting. Where did you, where, where is that most of that contact come from? Is it just, is it stuff that you're, that you're taking yourself or is it, is it stuff that's just archived and you're, you're finding it and presenting it? It's both. So I, I do have some videos of me flying and, and doing those things, but we go and actually make dedicated videos. So we went to the centrifuge uh, a couple months back and we brought UFC fighter Tito Ortiz. Uh, he wanted to see if he could withstand the G forces and uh, spoiler, he, he was not <laughs> able to do it. So, but I mean, the centrifuge spins you up to nine G's. So you weigh 2000 pounds. The blood is being pulled out of your brain. Afterwards, you have what look like chicken pox from the uh, blood vessels exploding. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's intense on the body, but yeah, did the centrifuge went with an astronaut and did the zero G plane. Um, so yeah, just, just try to do interesting things connected to aviation and military aviation. We just released a video of the most realistic dogfight footage ever recorded. We put, uh, cameras into, uh, test F-16s at Nellis Air Force Base. So it's been kind of a fun, fun, uh, journey with that. Very cool. Well, the book again is the art of clear thinking, a stealth fighter pilots, timeless rules for making tough decisions. Hazard, I imagine that is available pretty much everywhere you buy books these days. Yeah, correct. It's it's done really well. It was Wall Street Journal bestseller, number two bestselling business book in the country last month. So uh, it's been doing well. I did the audio book. Oh, good. Um, good and good. for the first time in audible history, I recorded parts from the cockpit of a jet. Oh, so, that's very cool. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty interesting. But anywhere you get books. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for being on Wealth Formula Podcast. Buck, thanks for having me. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, now, you know, I mean, I do think that there's a lot of parallels in that. And I do worry a little bit about uh, the psychology that uh, people have right now, I think, because of what's going on in the real estate market and because of some other stuff in the podcast ecosystem. And I just want to urge you um, to, you know, think rationally. Think rationally. Think about what it is that you're doing learn from any mistakes and sometimes you can lose even if you don't make a mistake frankly so that's okay too know that investing is not without risk but the goal is you just win you know more than you lose and uh, generally speaking that that has been the case uh, for most people uh, certainly for me uh, in in the uh, real estate world who've done it in a reasonable way anyway that's it for me this week on wealth formula podcast this is buck joffrey signing off Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.
Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.